Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. How you doing, Derek? I'm doing fantastic. Good, 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 good. Good week? It's been a very busy week, but a good week. Yeah, it's, uh, the two of us have been pretty busy over the last month or so. Uh, between work and home and the show here, it just seems to be that we're, uh, Always on the go. I know it's been a, it's been a very busy time, and I'm not used to this, so I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, end of end of summer, beginning of fall, and yep. it's just going nonstop. It's I just know. that time of year. Yeah, everybody's uh, getting ready for Halloween and dare I say Christmas. Yeah, and and for me, what's strange is that well, it's now fall, leaves are changing, and yada yada yada, and I'm planning two canoe trips. <laughs> two. Yes. Well, new my, one? my wife and the kids still want to go, right? So oh. first free weekend we can find. We're, we're, we made the plans, but we're, we have no dates yet. We're just going to look at the weather. If the weather's good, we're just going to drop right into Algonquin because there's always going to be something available. So you just buy your tickets at the gate and just go. Uh, tent camping. Yes. Canoe, mm. canoe camping. Oh, you're going to go canoe camping. Yes. Interior. Well, I've got my Swift Osprey pretty much put away for the, for the winter. I was, I was supposed to bore that. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that look. (laughs) Oh, that was a good one. I almost gave you whiplash. Hang on, I think I broke my kidney on that one. Oh, laughing so hard. (laughs) Yeah, that one's, uh, I think, put away for the, for the colder weather here. But I still got the Prospector and, uh. Um, going to use that a few more times, I'm sure, doing a couple of day trips and, and you never know, there might be a chance for another weekend trip or something, uh, before the snow, or even when the snow flies, as long as the water's still in a, in a non-solid state. form, <laughs> <laughs> who's to say, right? Yes. So, but, uh, yeah, you know what, we're getting so much done when it, even I mean, with work and home stuff and whatnot, and like I say, the kids are back at school and you know, enjoying what they're doing and it's, it sort of, uh, gives me a couple more minutes of free time with, without having to deal with the kids all the time. Um, you know, because now that they're out with their college and university friends and the girlfriends and all that sort of stuff, I'm not so much a wallet and a limo anymore. <laughs> I'm just a wallet. <laughs> you know, so all that driving time, especially well, the one's got his license already, right? So he just borrows the vehicle. And, uh, but I'm taking the time to change over, you know, uh, put away some of the summer gear that I use on my, my trips uh, and my paddling adventures and stuff. And, um, going through what I may need to replace for next year. Like I know I need new map case cause mine bit the dust on my French, French river trip. Um, a couple of the little things that. It's time to replace them, that sort yeah. of stuff. And, so. and this time of year, I think with, I know for me and what should be for most people, it's, it's that time of year when after you get the yard put away for the winter and the lawn furniture and this, that, the other thing, things start to slow down and it, you start going through and you have to, you know, for me, I start to, I'm not going to do it yet. Obviously I have two trips, but you start packing your gear for winter, making sure it's, it's packed in a proper way. Make sure your water filters are all cleaned up and stored and dried. And you're, you know, you hang your, like, this is a perfect time to be hanging a sleeping bag so that the, the down doesn't get squished and whatever. So you, it's always best to hang sleeping bags open instead of all crunched up, right? It's the best yeah. way to make them survive. You know, it's, uh, one of the things I've been meaning to do is I've got slow leak in two of my thermorests and, and I've got to get out with, um, either the bathtub or something and figure out where those slow leaks are. It's just, it's that end of the year maintenance period where you start putting all your gear to bed for the, for the long winter, right? Well, most of it. Cause well, yeah, I mean, I mean, those of that still go out in the, in the fall weather. Yes. You know, I mean, the shoulder seasons are, are still a good time to paddle, but there's a lot of people that once that warm winter weather is gone. They're done. They're done. Yeah. You know, they're not going out anymore and it's like, well, you're, you're missing out on a lot of paddling, that's for sure. But yeah, I, I've got some stuff that definitely needs replacing. I've got some gear that I've been, um, packing away cause I'm not, you know, it's strictly something like bug nets, stuff like that. I'm, I'm not taking those out. Yeah. You know, the bugs tend not to show up when the snow flies. <laughs> In <laughs> my that, experience. that's a great thing. <laughs> so yeah. And, and I'm making a small list of, you know. Stuff I can buy over the winter that, um, you know, may be on sale or, 
or something. It is. Uh, there, you get the you get all the the adventure shows and home shows and this yeah. that the other thing that happens. So you start to look for those big deals on on like new sleeping bags or or whatever gear you're looking for, right? Yeah, I mean it's small stuff, big stuff, you know. But yeah, that, there's nothing like being on a canoe trip and having something totally go south on you just because you knew you needed a new one and you just didn't buy it, didn't inspect it from the previous year, yeah. whatever, right? And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing is going through a lot of that gear. Like I say, I've got a lot of my stuff still out because of the fall trips. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I've now set aside. Yeah. I need to get a new one of those. I haven't thrown them out yet until I replace it because you know, you're going to throw something <laughs> out and then next year you're going to, oh, I forgot I needed a new whatever, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And the you old just one never... would have done just for this trip. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that still sits there until. But, um, yeah, so the canoe, the one canoes away, a lot of my gears for, for strictly for summer stuff is, is already packed. Um, you know, do, and doing, like I say, doing the gear changeover for summer to fall and, uh, whatever I'm going to use, the heavier clothing, stuff like that. Right. Um, the late, uh, not latex, the, uh, the boots and, and stuff and the gloves and the toque comes out and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, I'm also trying a few new recipes out. Uh, I've got that backyard chimenea thing. Okay. Yeah. A little fireplace yeah. thing. And, uh, spring we went through and cut down a bunch of pieces of our trees and stuff, the dead wood and all that on our cherry and apple trees. And, uh, so I just had that all piled up and cut it up and got some nice little branches and twigs and, and stuff like that. Not too big. But man, I tell you, 20 minutes, you got a really hot cooking fire in that little thing. And uh, yeah, just in the middle of my yard on a couple of uh, big cement patio stones there, I get my chair, sit in front of it and open up the one side, start throwing the wood in and uh, trying out a couple new recipes. I got a little grate I can put in there and, you know, stuff, dehydrated stuff that you can re rehydrate, make in your backyard because... You know, this way I tr test it before I take it out on a trip. Yeah. I've always wanted one of those backyard fireplace things. It's, uh, but uh, you know, the bylaws in my town are kind of restrictive. The, and, but I suppose if you had the chimney and you actually cooked over it, because where I am, unless you're cooking over fire, you're not allowed to have a fire in your backyard. See, and that's debatable on a lot of, like, we're not supposed to have one in our backyard. Yeah. And people say, well, unless you're cooking on it. And other people go, no, even if you are cooking on it, you're not allowed to have an open fire. And so it's. And you really don't want to walk down to the fire station and go, hey guys, I live up the road here. <laughs> Can I do this? Can I ask you a question? <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I know people that have the same one I do. This big, I mean, it's, it's a big one, like tall and whatnot. And they just load that thing with wood in the middle oh, of the yeah? night. And just, and I'm just looking at them like, you guys are the ones that... This is why we can't this have. This is why other people. This can't is why we can't have, have nice things. things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th this is the reason why we can't have fires in our backyard is because you guys just cram six logs yeah. in this thing. Eek. It's bursting at the seams, <laughs> and the flames are as high as the second floor of your house. Yeah, like really. And you know, those are the same people that have bonfires camping. It's yeah, like, come on. Well, and I, I'm sitting here outside there. Uh, well, Thanksgiving, um, my wife's in the house doing the the. Uh, making the turkey and whatnot and family's all over and everybody's all helping and I'm in the backyard, got this little fire going and testing out a couple of, uh, uh, well, uh, I took my basic bannock recipe and uh, added uh, raisins and pecans and some brown sugar and cinnamon to it and and, and did that over the, the heat with the heat of the fire there and <laughs> brought it in, cut it into little pieces and uh, everybody tried some with butter on it and man, gone like a shot. <laughs> It's like, you know, so, so apparently that's something I'll be taking on one of my canoe trips because, hey, if, uh, you know, 12 people like it, yeah, <laughs> I got a little tiny piece, you know, but, uh, yeah, that was good. Um, but yeah, trying some new recipes and, and whatnot so I can, uh, take them on canoe trips and, and, um, not have to worry that it's going to taste like crap. <laughs> Day seven, crap. Again. 
It is good to test out recipes ahead of time. I don't always have time, so I always kind of experiment in the backwoods and say, oh, I guess it wasn't too bad. But it's you don't always have time, or at least I don't always have time to test these things out ahead of time. Yeah, or you're with a group of guys who, you know what, you don't want to risk that everybody's going to go, yeah, That's whatever. another thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's another thing. Like I, I can tolerate a lot if I'm cooking for myself, but mm-hmm. if you're cooking with uh, a bunch of other people and <laughs> suddenly you have like, you know, these automatic critics, it's like, come on, I'm trying to cook for you. Appreciate it. <laughs> when, when somebody's saying, oh, I got to go use a thunder box and they're taking their plate with them. <laughs> <laughs> that my friend is a clue that yeah. you won't be making that meal again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just checking out gear and whatnot and, and whatnot. Like I say, it's that, it's that time of year and it uh, is. we definitely got to do it. Um, but while I'm looking online for new, couple of new pieces of gear, like I said, I mean, nothing major that I need, like a map case and stuff like that, right? You mentioned a tent, didn't you? Well, I do want to get a new, a new tent. I've got one. That's good enough to use, but I want one that has a vestibule on the two sides is a bit more lightweight, you know? So when my wife and I go, you know, it's, it's one newer thing we've got, Yeah, you know, <clears throat> mind you, I'll have to get a, I have to get a second, uh, thermo rest as well, but, um, that's not necessarily a replacement thing as in more than it is a, a I need a new one <laughs> or an extra one. But while I'm online checking out some new gear, do you remember we talked about the ONAC uh, foldable canoe? Yes, we talked about a foldable canoe and a packable kayak. Mm-hmm. Um, I was online and I was looking and it came across my canoe. It's another foldable canoe, but this one is out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Because the ONAC is from uh, Amsterdam, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, and we started we started looking at the cost, euros to Canadian, um, shipping and all that. And it was well over $2,000 to get one to our doorstep. Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. that. It was quite a lot. Yeah. Well, it was $1,900 just to buy the thing. And then it was going to shipments and all that. So you're looking well over $2,000. And there'd be custom charges, which we never did figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once, <laughs> once I hit $2,000 for something <laughs> like that. You're pushing the limit. I'm just, yeah. You know what? I don't care what the duty is. I'm not buying one. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, at that price, you want to try something out before you spend the money on it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you can't test it out. You, it's like in Amsterdam, there's nobody locally that you can, Hey, can I try your own at canoe or whatever? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I saw this, my canoe and the ONAC, it's really boxy looking and jagged sides and held together with these straps and all that. It was a little wonky looking. Yeah. It was wonky looking. I liked it. It seemed like a good design, but they they were trying too hard to, to origami a canoe together. Mm -hmm. Well, my canoe, um... Looks like an actual canoe, and it it actually looks looks pretty good. You know when you when you see the picture of it. Uh, it checked it out, and fourteen three quarters feet long, thirty five inches wide, uh, fifty two pounds, and recommend the maximum load is four hundred and forty pounds. When compared to the ONAC, the my canoe is $1,980 compared to the 1900 plus whatever shipping for... No, 1490 You said 19 Plus, uh, yeah. that's US. Oh, okay. $1,490 US, which is 1980 Canadian. Oh, okay. okay. So it's $80 more than the ONAC, but for what you get, that's $80 well spent. You don't need to ship it from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure there'll still be duty in that on it, but may not be as much. My canoe is 14 three quarters and by 35 and ONAC 15 and a quarter. So an extra half a foot, but only 33 and a half feet wide. 33 and a half what? Uh, inches wide. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> feet. It's a, it's a really wide one. <laughs> Uh, my canoe 
max capacity 440 pounds. Okay. ONAC 550. So there's, there's so an extra hundred in the ONAC. There's pros and cons with both. My canoe fifty two pounds, ONAC thirty seven pounds. Now, when you see the makeup of the my canoe, you can see where the extra weight does come from. Right. Now, when and that's the big thing is when you, if you look at just at that the the specs, you're think wow. Um, I'm thinking I may look at the ONAC over top of the my canoe. But when you actually see the two of them side by exactly. side, uh, then you understand. You yeah. understand why yeah. the the my canoe is just that much heavier. Um, I'm I'm I can't get over the weight difference though. The capacity. I mean, that's a hundred hundred pounds. You're losing capacity because of the actual weight itself. But yeah. also, I it I, as I recall from the Onat canoe, this one here has less freeboard. Mm-hmm. So this one here, the sides are lower, and so you you the, there's less shipping ship weight. So it's uh, it it just it's the capacity, and as well, the uh, you've got the shorter length for the my canoe. So of course that translates into less capacity for carrying capacity. So it it does make sense. But yeah, what but I, 110 it, pounds though. It's a big difference. That, it, it that's is, a big difference. It does translate, and you know, there's always a safety margin of safety, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe these guys have erred on a large margin of safety and to maintain the freeboard as high as possible, right? Yeah. Um, but I do like the fact that it's from Knoxville, Tennessee, as opposed to Europe. Yes. Just for, you can get a better, uh, free shipping in the lower 48 states. Yeah. Um, Canada, Hawaii. Alaska. Def- define lower 48. So they're just, yeah, yeah, they're just limiting not from Alaska or yeah, Hawaii. Right. Um, but when you're looking at this canoe, it actually looks like a real canoe. Yes. You know, something that you And see. that's impressive on its own. But when you watch the video on how he puts together, they say you can put this thing together in 10 minutes. Yes. I don't know how Maybe many times <laughs> you need to put it together first in order to get it to that 10 minutes. I was but visualizing I, something from Ikea because you sit around with these pages and pages of directions, putting this elaborate piece of furniture together and it's like, holy cow. <clears throat> so maybe not the first time 10 minutes, but maybe on the 10th time you'll do it in 10 minutes. <laughs> 10th, 20th, 30th time, whatever. <laughs> you might get that bad boy down to 10 minutes. Um, I mean, it folds out just like the ONAC does, but whereas yes. the ONAC uses <clears throat> straps to hold everything together, this thing actually is, has another bag that goes with it. And the things they're pulling out of this bag, they're pulling the seats out and everything else. So there's straps. seats, floorboards, and yeah. gunnels. And gunnels. The gunnels you've got to put on. Yeah. On each side. And there's, they're all joined together, sort of like tent poles. Yeah. And it has that cord through, but it looks like this is more of a, a light aluminum wire that tightens up. And there's also four sets of like ribs, uh, yeah, metal ribs. Metal that ribs go that go in there. And maintain the form. Yep. And, um, um, the decks at the front and the back and, and all that. Yeah. And with the, I also noticed that with the ONAC, to, for it to stay together, you have these crisscrossing uh, bands of canvas or whatever, like Which is, seatbelt material. So that removes some of your luggage capacity because everything would be sitting up high. Whereas this one here, it all it has is those four metal ribs that sit really low. So you have you have the basic interior capacity of a normal canoe with the my canoe folding canoe, right? And the ONAC has all those crossing straps to hold up its form. Now, the ONAC one with all those um, straps, that was my big concern at the beginning. Yes, because you're, it, it, it takes up the internal capacity. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, well, that's going to get in the way. And if, you know, that was my whole thing. This thing here doesn't have that problem yes. at all. It's just like a regular canoe. You don't have those, those cross straps. So when you put your pack in, it's not laying across these X straps that are holding the sides up and whatever. It's just you have this empty space inside the canoe. Yeah. And it, it, you can put two seats in it if you want. Now seats they charge extra for, they're like 40 bucks US. Um, there's also a stabilizer kit. Basically it's a big inflatable tube, pontoon thing on the side. Yes. That mounts to the side for people that are new to to canoeing, they say. 
Yeah, um, I think they're excessive. I'm but. thinking this is more again of the urban exploration type canoe. Okay, yeah, you said. Now I was thinking about that. Like uh, this is ideally, like you say, urban exploration. This is something where somebody you live in a condo, you live in like downtown Toronto, you live in Chicago, you live somewhere where you don't have a place to store a fourteen to sixteen foot canoe. Right. Where do you put something like that when you live in the big city? But I also see, on the other hand, this the huge advantage I think for how I might use this is for flying camping and flying fishing and stuff like yeah. that, where any, any, uh, pontoon, uh, any, uh, beaver or whatever plane to get into the backwoods, they're only allowed to carry one rigid canoe. So if you're going in with a group of four people, you got to make two trips and they're double your, your fuel costs and your doubles, your, your, uh, your flight costs and stuff like that. Both ways. Exactly. So this here. What it enables you to do, you, all four people could go and you just have these packs, these square bundles that sit in the back of the plane, just like your gear. And they can, you can take both canoes at the same time. And that's where the, that's ideally where this works out because there's a lot of areas where I've done a few fly-in trips and, and it was a, a bit of a pain. Like you, two guys go with the first canoe then they flies back out, gets the other two guy in the other canoe. And so it did double the cost. We ended up paying a lot more than we wanted to for the trip. And, uh, but the, he's the regulation state, you can only carry one rigid canoe on the, on the pontoons and yep. goes on one side. So it, it's a safety thing, but this here, this, this solves a lot of the problems. It's like a lot of people go into the, uh, up North into the back country when they do fly in camping and fishing, they have you in the past, it was inflatable, rigid inflatable, uh, canoes or kayaks. This here gives you the capacity of a normal canoe in a normal canoe form without having to worry about all these uh, inflatable pockets and, and whatever, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it does, it, it gives you exactly what you need on a backcountry remote trip. Yeah. I mean, and, and there, they have an FAQ section that says, what about rocks? And they say, well, stay away from rocks. And that's I with mean, any <laughs> canoe. Yeah. That's, that's with, I do that with my own canoe for crying out loud. <laughs> oh, no, this isn't inflatable. I'm just going to go ram into stuff. Yeah. Like, and, but you do understand because this you're is. You're not going down the rapids with this thing. Exactly. You know, this is going to be safe rivers and, and, and lakes and stuff like that. Yeah. Just like with an inflatable canoe. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not going anywhere. Um, and they say cold weather, you can't use it in cold weather, which is, I don't think yeah, most people the, like the plastic get one of these much. aren't going to be doing that anyway. No. Um, I would definitely, <laughs> would not take, some of our trips, we will hit river after river after river for driving with the canoe on. And, you know, you'll stop, oh, let's try out this river and you'll launch the canoe. Then you'll be there for an hour or two and then you'll throw it back on, you'll cruise half hour up the road throw it in again and back. If you had to build this thing every time. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I don't feel like doing it again. Forget it. We're no, done. you're just going to sit on the roof yeah. and carry it normally, I yeah, guess. Either carry it normally or not use it. Yeah. You're just going to end up walking the riverbank or something. I'm curious how this thing will hold up on roof of a vehicle going hundred kilometers an hour with the wind loading on it. Mm, I don't think it would. <laughs> I think there'd be issues. But you know what? It's um, with the material. I'd love to see the material. I'd love to touch, you know, like kick the tires type thing. Because I'm curious how much firmer or less firm it is from a normal canoe, like a, like a normal fiberglass or Kevlar canoe well, or Well, it's saying whatever. it's that plastic corrugate, right? Which in my line of work is coroplast. Yeah, so it's very soft. No. Somewhat soft. Well, but it is quite rigid. But it's not like a normal canoe, is it? No. It doesn't hold up as, it's like... If Stiff you cardboard. go to, if you go to McDonald's or Tim boards. Hortons or something, those pole signs you see. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what coroplast is. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a plastic corrugate, yeah. a plastic cardboard, and it comes in different thicknesses and stuff. Um, so yeah, seeing it fold up like this, kind of weird, but, uh, knowing the limitations of coroplast <laughs> makes me kind of scared to use one of these now. <laughs> but I think, you know, I mean, we were all gung-ho on the, the ONAC canoe, and then we've seen this one, and I'm thinking, I actually like this, my canoe, a whole lot better than the ONAC. It, it looks... I definitely do like this more. It is a little bit more complicated to put together, but generally, if you're doing a, a remote trip, you're flying in and you're going to spend the first day at a base camp before you take off somewhere. Mm -hmm. So you have hours to put this thing together if you had to. 
Well, yes and no, because when we landed in Woodland Caribou, he landed in the middle of the lake. Oh, that's true. Unstrapped the canoe. We got in and he started passing that. us stuff and we're doing this in the middle of the lake. I did the same thing on my fly-in trip. Uh-huh. I forgot about that aspect. So if you have one of these on a the fly-in, you're going to have to make sure they're dropping you off. On shore. At a, on shore and somewhere. And they generally don't want to do that because they don't want to risk the pontoons on the boat, on the plane. Uh-huh. So. Huh. You'd have to pre-arrange that with the pilot. The plot thickens. Huh. But at the end of the day, if you want to check one of these My Canoes out... Um, go to Ori Canoe, O-R-I, which I guess is like origami, canoe.com. Um, take a peek at it. They got videos there. They have a, uh, about a six minute video of this guy putting this together from the, the bo- folded up box, unfolding it, grabbing all the stuff out of the other bag, setting it all up and, um, going to town. Uh, it's pretty neat to watch, but like I say, I watched the video a couple of times. I'm thinking, I wouldn't want to do this all the time. No. But it, if or I under had to... adverse conditions. Yeah. Like well, and they say... Sitting uh, on a pontoon on a boat. Yeah, dry. <laughs> on a plane. <laughs> on a plane. In the middle of a lake. <laughs> um, dry it before you pack it. Um, that's yeah, a lot right. of these things make sense, right? You don't want to pack it and get moldy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You want to be careful with packing it away and like... Don't be resting on gravel and or stepping inside with gravel because you poke holes through it. Stuff yeah, like if that. you're if you're one of those people that like don't like getting your feet wet and you drive your canoe up on shore every time, yeah, it might not be a good. You're idea. not gonna want one of these. <laughs> um, but it is good for I think they said twenty thousand folds. Yes. So you can fold this thing out and 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 back that's a, that's up twenty thousand times. Yeah, you never use it. You'd never use it that yeah. many times. No, I, I don't think so. I wonder but, if we can convince the company. I think our show is big enough we convince them to send us one for us to try and review. <laughs> Are we there yet? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in the spring. <laughs> we'll, wait, we'll wait for it because they got this 2.5, I think. Uh, so we'll wait for uh, the third edition to come out. Yes. And maybe they can send us one. We'll, we'll take it on a spring trip. <laughs> a nice spring fishing trip up in northern Ontario. And uh, But yeah, you know what? It, again... It, with, even with the ONAC, we said it with the ONAC. I'd like to try one of these things yeah, out. Yeah, and that's, to, the, that's the, where the rubber see. hits the road. Yeah. Um, now, like I say, 14 and a half feet, 14 three quarter feet long. Uh, they showed a couple, two guys in it paddling. And I mean, they are quite close. Um, My canoe is only a 14 foot canoe. And that's the one I've been using for about 10 years now. Full fam, full on family yeah. trips and river trips and... I have a, it's a compact canoe. It's a, when I Yeah, see, it my out. big one's 17. Yeah. My solo is 15. But yeah. it is narrower too, so. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. But, I mean, you can still do it. I mean, you can just get the two seats. It, it'd be a great solo trip. Uh, oh, tripper, absolutely. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but. Although it is a little heavy. But, you know, actually yeah. comparable to other 14, 15 foot canoes, it's not a bad weight. 52 pounds? Yeah. Not at all. My 14-footer is Kevlar, and it's like 42 pounds or 43 pounds. My 15-footer is 37. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's the new one. No, that's the older one. The oh, yeah? Solo, my Solo. Huh. The Osprey, yeah. My old big green freighter beastie. <laughs> I was like 90 pounds. <laughs> 57 pounds, you say? <laughs> Lightweight. Yeah. So... Yeah, so go check it out. Uh, Ori Canoe, O-R-I Canoe.com. Uh, check out a couple of their videos. Check out the the info on it. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. And it, it seems to me, um, and I know Derek, you've said it as well, that these foldable canoes all of a sudden seem to be coming out of the woodwork. Yes, I think it's that time. It's like once one hits the water, you see other guys go, hey, I want to build my version of that. Of that. So and we're getting a few of them because we talked, about, like earlier, we talked about the folding kayak, now these two folding canoes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them hitting the market right now. And I think it's just one of those, it's a niche market right now, but I think it's growing because there is a demand for it. People... Like you said earlier, urban canoeists, yeah, as well as uh, far north where you have to do fly-in camping. I think I think these these sort of things are really going to take off. Um, with those with those people that live in the urban, like downtown Toronto, yes. And I, I don't want to say yuppies. 
Because I mean, no, that's sort of, but, but that sort of who are nailed. What are they into millennials the now, or whatever you, know, you want to like, call them? They they live downtown in the big urban cities. Yeah. That's where their entire lives are spent around there. But exactly, that's it's just you got the islands down there, or, and yeah. I mean, and as you say, with New York and Chicago and Toronto. you know all these places yeah. have their downtown shorelines. That something like this. And it, I mean, you see the people now doing the uh, the stand up paddleboarding through the harbors. Yep, absolutely. This is just a, yeah. the next and, phase in it. And in this day and age, with urban living, with people who do live in cityscapes and whatever, like people tend not even have cars. So this mm-hmm. is ideal. You come out of your condo, you build your canoe on the side of the lake, wherever, on, and and you just go for paddle. It's this is something that's going to fit into that niche. Yeah, definitely is. So check them out and uh, come up with your own opinions on them. I think it's pretty cool and uh, might have to do some more looking into it, but I really like to try one of these things out. Yes. And uh, give it a whirl. Matt will do that next year, maybe. Maybe it'll be advanced enough that we can rent them somewhere. Yeah. You never know. We'll call down to Knoxville, Tennessee and say, hey, fellas, <laughs> how you doing? Send us one. <laughs> Send me one of these. I want to try it. Yeah. So... Anyway, let's take a break here, and uh, when we come back, I want to talk about another piece of gear that, uh, well, actually, we both bought one, but I'm the only one that's used it so far. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. So when we're continuing talking about gear here, the Canadian Outdoor Equipment Company, we took a trip to their store. Uh, It's on the far side of of Toronto. but I've always wanted to go there and, and take a peek and, uh, I managed to swindle you to join us. <laughs> yes. Well, I was along. curious. I wanted to see what they have. And I, I was envisioning a, a, a big, large store just by the name of it. So it's, they've got a lot of neat stuff there, but it was, it was smaller than I thought it was going to be. Well, you know what? I, I got to say the same thing because I've seen their little display at the uh, outdoor adventure show, uh, that's held every year in Toronto here. And they got a lot of stuff there. So I'm thinking, oh, their store must be absolutely massive. So their booth is the same size as their store. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> it's like they move it there for the week or whatever. But um, they, they use their space well. There's a lot of do. stuff to see. It doesn't yeah. feel crowded, but you, everything you everything you want to see in a store is, is there. Yeah. They have a lot of cool stuff at that store. I'll tell you that. I mean, everything from Kelly kettles to different camp cookware stoves. The one thing we did the, um, review on the firebox stove. Yes. And they sell those there. I still can't get over the actual weight of that thing. Yes. I was surprised too. I wasn't like this. Is, it was the first time I've actually handled one mm-hmm. and, uh, it was, I was disappointed in the weight and that's the, I was considering buying one until I lifted it and it's yeah. like, oh, but it, but with the weight, it's really decent stainless steel. So it's probably not going to warp like a, a cheaper, thinner it, it, it is definitely worth the money. Yes. Um, that they were asking for. There were some other versions there that were just way too expensive. For uh-huh. me. Um, out of all of them, I would have bought the firebox stove. Uh, I did, I, 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 looking at it there, I do like that stove. But for canoe trips, if you're not base camping, um, I don't know that I would have to want to haul that extra weight around, mm-hmm. you know, um, but that may still come in my Christmas stocking or something. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, the knives they had there, 
um, some nice looking knives and, and, and stuff there. Uh, some clothing, a lot of wool clothing and stuff. They had that, uh, with the wax canvas clothing stuff. Oh, the, the leather, yeah. the Duluth packs and stuff. Yeah. But it's like, uh, the, the oiled. Oiled canvas. Uh, yeah. Canvas. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. reminds me of the old duster jackets. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, but really, really heavy. The, did you, did you lift those pants? Yes. Heavy. <laughs> so I know. I like, wouldn't want to be wearing those. I suppose you might get used to it. And it'd be perfect in like spring or fall trips or mm-hmm. winter trips and whatnot. It keeps the water off you. So they're, they're, if you keep them properly treated, they are waterproof pants. They're breathable, waterproof pants. It's the same thing that, that, uh, the cowboys would use back in the day type thing. Yeah. Heavy though. Wow. Um, a lot of videos, books, magazines and stuff there. I saw a whole display of yep. Jeff's maps there. Yeah. Jeff's maps are, are there. Yeah. Bunch of Kevin Callan. Books and stuff yep. and some other, other people, videos and stuff. Um, uh, lighters. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, if you've checked out our Facebook page, um, you'll see Derek got himself a new lighter. Uh, it's not a flame. It's actually, you, you micro USB charge it. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's an electric one, but it, it does this purple X where the flame would be and that just catches stuff on fire. And, uh, somebody like decided. Like a piezoelectronic. It's like a mini taser. Yeah. And we know that because somebody whose name rhymes with Derek <laughs> decided he wanted to put his finger in there just to see. Well, I had, <laughs> you had to see. And you wouldn't do it. You're well, chickened out. Chickened out? Oh, because I knew what was going to happen. Why am I going <laughs> to stick my finger in there? If it set stuff on fire, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> well, it didn't get hot. It just electrocuted me. <laughs> Apparently not enough. It's so. like high voltage, low amps, but this thing makes an X of a, like a plasma X between the four poles. And, uh, it, it's, it'd be great for, for lighting fires and stuff. Like I stuck toothpicks and pencils in between. It just, whew. He's just setting stuff on fire. Yeah. yeah. He's become an arsonist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the arsonist and all of us, yeah. a new lighter. All right. I, I heard, kept hearing the question, uh, the last two days at home, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> well, I guess if I can get my flint and steel for Christmas and light a fire in your kitchen light a sink. Fi- <laughs> light a fire in my kitchen sink, then, <laughs> then you have all right to do that. Who am I to judge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently. But the um, big thing that we got that we're both excited about. The reflector oven. Yes. And I don't even know how to pronounce this guy. Svante Frieden? <laughs> all I know is a reflector oven. He's from oven. Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's their, uh, his, her, their, uh, collapsible reflector oven. Yeah. Um, I've, I've wanted one for quite a while and it, it, I contemplated making my own and looked at some other ones. Me too. And I, I hummed at, in hot and they looked flimsy. And well, I was, I was just saying like, all I got to do is get some of that ductwork metal yeah, yeah, and make yeah. one. Right. I mean, that's what people do, but yeah. this metal is actually thicker. It is it's a decent, more of a heavy it's, du- it duty. It is aluminum. Yeah. This one's going to last, I think more than, than my, uh, uh, ductwork one would have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we both bought one. Um, they were only like 90 bucks plus tax, 88 bucks plus tax. Yeah. It's decently made. Yeah. It's hardy. It's thick. It's, it's got a nice design. It folds up and it folds out and folds up nicely. Nice little handle on the top, a little yeah. foot at the back that you can adjust the, the angle, uh, two wires. Well, it's actually one big folded wire in, in the shape of a U that slides yeah, in. To hold the food in the middle of the- To hold your, your pan in there. Yeah. Um, you set it beside your fire and, and, and you're good to go. So- as I was saying before, I, I had the chiminea out back and that's what I was doing on Thanksgiving, um, was, uh, building one of these things, um, at the fire and, and, uh, making some bread in, in the reflector oven. And you're sitting there, well, how's it going to work? And do I get the fire going and how, how high has it got to be? How hot does it got to be? And, and the one thing I did realize, notice is the flame has to be high enough that the heat is going to the top of the reflector oven, not just the heat, which, I mean, if it's, if it's at the same level as the floor of your fire pit or your campfire or whatever, where all the hot coals are, there's going to be a lot of heat going through the bottom, but you need the heat going through the top top as well. Yeah. Um, so you got, you got to keep that fire going, that, that, 
the flame getting up there to get some of the heat going around the top to cook the top of your, your, uh, whatever you're cooking. Yeah. Unless you're a minimalist camp, if, unless you're a minimalist uh, camper, then generally any campfire you make will be big enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know what? I, I set that up and I made sure it was on the one side of the, the, the chiminea there to, where the flame was next to, um, the reflector oven. I had that up right at the right level. And yeah, once that, about 25 minutes, I had a really good bed of coal sitting there, a nice flame going and we're just feeding it some small wood and that. And within 20 minutes, I had a really nice, uh, nine by nine, by about inch and a half high, um, loaf of this bannock. And it was, like I say, it was just my regular bannock bread recipe. Yeah. Uh, but I added raisins, cinnamon, some brown sugar and pecans huh. to it. And when I took that off 20 minutes later, I just used a little nine by nine baking tin of my wife's, um, and thinking, oh, if I burn this, then I'm going to have to buy her <laughs> new ones. But I didn't, it didn't scorch. It didn't burn. I put, uh, some... Um, parchment paper in instead of, they, they say, you know, bring oil or lard yeah. or something. I don't bring that on a canoe trip. So I put some parchment paper down, which is lightweight. Yeah. Bring that on a canoe trip. Yeah. Um, threw that in there, put the, the batter on top of that. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I took it in, broke it open and the center was steaming hot and everything after 20 minutes. Hmm. It was perfect. Now I've watched a couple... Guys, and they're doing the the, bu- the the muffins and stuff like that. And they say, yeah, um, in the on the package, it says these are done in like 20 minutes. That's what it'll be done yeah. if you're doing the reflector oven properly. Mm-hmm. Right? So I've used it uh, already. I've got a few more things I'm going to try. Now, I'm heading up for a day trip. I'm going to bring it up. Uh, head up uh, uh, to Algonquin Park on a day trip. Um, go to the back country there and, uh, I think I'll bring it along cause I'm meeting a bunch of people in there who are already there. So they'll have the fire set up and everything and I'll give it a whirl with a couple yeah. more things. And I'm going to give it a try when I do my trip. Um, now the, I mean, it, it, it's pretty simple how it, how it works, but the things people are making now, um, if you go online, they have things like berry pie bannock biscuits there there's a lot of bisquick stuff can we get that up in canada bisquick? yeah there's bisquick yeah. i've seen it in the grocery store i've, I've never I, used I it i think i have some in my house right now chocolate chip cookies uh brownies apple pie muffins cinnamon rolls you're making me hungry <laughs> cinnamon rolls seems to be a big one and i mean you've mentioned it before where if you're on a canoe trip a long canoe trip you want some good food that's going to you know, yes. some comfort food once in a while. I find on longer trips, if if you're just doing rehydrated food day after day after day, you're feeding the body, but you're not feeding your soul. You, you need to, your mind really appreciates a decently cooked meal at like four, five, six days in or whatever, right? And just imagine if you're doing like a month long trip, like uh, Lynette and Lester, when they did uh, the Ungava Peninsula, it's like to have one of these little ovens in and, and to to be able to cook a decent meal if you're like making a shepherd's pie or a lasagna or you're making some bannock bread it kind of feeds the soul it like reinvigorates you because it's like the pleasure of eating food in the backcountry there's nothing greater than that for me i think so if you can have a decently cooked meal it just gives you that extra life to continue on the trip and uh, push on through the next couple days to get out of the backwoods yeah, and if you if you if it's just a, just add water thing, and you can get yourself some nice cookies as a treat or something. Yeah, pff, absolutely. Well worth it. It's well a treat. It. So I'm I'm glad I finally picked one up, and uh, definitely I think I'm going to get a lot of use out of this thing. And uh, yeah, we'll keep you guys informed. Probably throw some pictures up on our Facebook page and Instagram, and you can uh, see uh, what we're doing, and what we're cooking, and what we're eating, and you can all be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so Derek, when we were doing some, uh, research for the show this week. Um, I came across the adventurer.ca, uh, Jim Baird, Jim Baird, the adventurer. And you knew him from before. I've known him for a while now, and I've actually talked to him about getting him on, on our show, uh, to talk about canoeing and, and, and kayaking and stuff. Cause he's right into it. Um, he actually, I mean, you, 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 um, got this thing about the Ngava Peninsula. And, uh, Lynette and... Lynette and Lester. And, and Lester have paddled from the, the crater. 
um, across. He actually walked with his dog Buck <laughs> across. And that blows my mind. To do a trip like that on foot, or did he was on skis? Skis and foot. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's yeah. incredible. He's, that's... He was pulling three sleds or something like that. Wow. And uh, making igloos and snow trucker tents and stuff like that. And it was that. just him and the dog. Just him and the dog. See, that's that's amazing, but the risk involved is amazing. Yeah. But that's why he's Jim the Adventurer. <laughs> I guess so. But uh, you know what? I've, I've been I've been looking at his uh, Facebook page and stuff like that. I didn't I didn't realize he actually had theadventurer.ca. Uh, go check that out. His website. Um, lots of stories about him and other people and and stuff doing doing these adventures. Everything from fishing to canoeing to hiking, survivalist stuff. Um, shows you how to make little traps, bird traps, and stuff like that. Yeah. So if you want to catch a uh, a, a whatever the bird to eat if you're out in the back country mm-hmm. and you need to eat just like a survivor man type of thing. Yeah. He's really into the teaching the, the survival stuff and whatnot. And he's not only teaching it, but actually getting out there and, and, and doing, doing it. it. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I definitely got to touch base with him again and, and get him in here and just, just chat with him. And I mean, there's a full show right there just talking yes. to him about what he does. And, um, yeah, I, I was going through his, his website there and, uh, yeah, a lot of the stuff I've seen pictures of online, he's actually got like videos of him doing, um, there, there's a couple of videos that deal with him on, on the Angava trip as well. So you actually see what, what it's like. He's got pictures with the snow and, and everything coming through and, um, pictures of an igloo he built and there's light inside coming through at night. So it's pretty, pretty cool. It seems like he really has a blast doing this stuff. And, uh, but yeah, check out theadventurer.ca, uh, for all his stories and that, but you can check him out, Jim Baird, B-A-I-R-D on Facebook as well. Um, drop him a line, chat with him, ask him questions about his adventures. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to answer any questions you have on it. But, uh, looking at some of the stuff he's done on here. Well, his, yeah, I spent a bit of a time in, uh, I only, you texted me today and, and said, Hey, check out this Jim Baird channel. And I, uh, I went to his, uh, his webpage and it, it's, it's very, it's, there's so many different things to look at. It's, uh, just that one hour that I spent on the, on his webpage was not sufficient. I'm going to have to be checking this webpage out a lot more. There's, he's done so many adventures. He's got a lot of, uh, his media is very diverse. He's got a lot of photography, a lot of videos. He's got instructional videos and it's, it's impressive the depth of knowledge that this man has. Yeah. I mean, he talks about paddling trips, uh, recipes, which, you know, goes right back to what we were talking yeah, about exactly. earlier. A bunch of his stories. Stalking fish by Jim Baird. <laughs> and he, he's kneeling down beside this little creek thing with his hands in the water. I guess waiting for the fish to come by and then <laughs> nab. I've done that. Um, talks <laughs> about fun. some solo trips. He's, now he, some of these, he breaks down into different, um, uh, stories. So, you know, like part one, part two, part three, okay. part four sort of thing. Um, so he talks about his, his, uh, solo trips and, um, the story of anxiety on the black river and what's in my tackle box for wilderness canoeing. And he's talking about fishing, right? Yes. Um, so when he's going to different spots, what is he doing? And I read that one. He talks about different, his favorite, like, uh, maps and Williams wobblers. And he talks about his favorite, uh, lures and talking about how he prefers metal lures, because if you accidentally step on them, you're not going to break them or crush them. So yeah. He just goes through and he, he, he it's, he's just, kinda, he has a conversation with the, with whoever's reading his website and watching his videos. It's, uh, it's a, on a very personal level. It's very interesting. Now there's the Arapuka, uh, bird trap with Ted Baird. I'm thinking Ted's his brother. Yes. Um, cause he does mention his brother when he was on the Angava trip, he had his, uh, in reach and he'd get texts about incoming storms and that from his brother. Um, so I, I got to think that's, that's Ted. Um, lessons from the trail. He talks about doing these different things. Um, sur- different survival things, setting up spring net traps, um, he's- doing a canoe sail, winter camping, like everything he's, he's got, like, you just start going through this and there's good skating with sled dogs and training your dog to pull, <laughs> how to make ski shoes. Like the stuff that he's got on here is like phenomenal. Yeah. And I thought I was looking at his, some of his winter videos and, and he was talking about camping and stuff in the winter and he's got two dogs 
And it's just, he's, he cares for his animals too. Like they've got little booties on and there's one where the, uh, the dog is huddled up into a, uh, a down parka warming up on the side of the trail. One of his dogs is, uh, is a, a thin, a short haired dog. So he's that one. That's like the lab looking dog. Yes. And the other one is like a long haired wolf. Kind oh, of. it's a Alaskan Husky Malamute cross. Yeah. So that one there, he that dog that seems buck. to love the cold weather. That's his dog, Buck. Yes, my dog, <laughs> Buck. So, but the other dog has short hair. So it shows him wrapping it in, in like a down jacket on the side of the trail to keep it warm. And mm-hmm. so it's it's just, he's going through and, and sharing his adventures with you. It's, it's an amazing website. There's so much information. There's so much to read and so much to digest. He's actually even put a camera on one of the dogs and it looks like it's Buck because it's white, a white hairy dog. Yeah, the white fur. A dog's day, a camera dog captures beauty and adventure <laughs> and they're on a canoe trip. Uh, his lessons from the trail, episode five, how to waterproof your gear. And he goes through different stuff. Um, so there's quite a lot you can learn from this uh, site. So check it out, theadventurer.ca uh, with Jim Baird. And, and again, look at Jim Baird on Facebook as well. I think you'll uh, be more than happy with, with what's there. And, um, well, I guess that's uh, all we can talk about for this week. We sort of run uh, run out of time here. And, um, well, I'm going to go back and check all this stuff out. I'm going to do some more camping. You're going on your trip. Yes. We're going to have a grand old time. and Final preparation for a trip are well underway. That's awesome. Uh, well, hope you have a good time, and uh, we'll see you when you get back. Hey, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>